Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to the podcast that helps you decide what you should watch next. It's simple. Scroll through our episode, see which title you've heard people bang on about, or pick one at random, and trust us to have a selection of people who you can hear the opinions of without spoilers. Let us be the people to test those friends uh, nagging you to watch something. We will be the test, we'll be the guinea pigs, and tonight we are dealing with The Defenders. So this is Howell and Jamie. Now, Whoa. ten seasons into the box set pod, ten seasons. So hopefully a good, um, good box of box sets so far that you can pick from, and maybe some amusing, friendly chatter in between. Um, tonight we are joined by uh, Matthew Wandless from London, uh, the other regular now on this podcast. Uh, he's trying to install a printer this evening, which is a stupid thing to do. Hi, Matt. <laughs> Hi. Yeah, I, I, I tend to agree with you about the printer. This is a this was a bad idea. For those of you who listen to us every week, sorry for the momentary break in service. That was because I had to go to Los Angeles and have some fun, followed by my internet not working. So we had a little gap. But anyway, I'm sure you don't listen to it in order. Why would you? Um, speaking of being completely out of order, uh, the other person joining us is Adam Comstiv. Hi. Smooth intro. Thank you. Um, so, so, um, we, we were at one point going to have two Marvel learned scholars on the podcast with us, Tiernan and Sam, but due to me having to reschedule the podcast, we now have neither. However, Sam sent me, has sent me a large email in defence, um, and, um, trying to, uh, stall, stall the virtue. Defence. Well, you know, I think he, well, he's just said why he likes it. Okay. So I'm, I'm jumping the gun perhaps there. Um, and I'll read Sam's email out perhaps later rather than earlier on. So I watched episode one. Uh, Jamie, how much have you watched? One. Uh, Matthew? All. And Adam? I've accidentally watched six episodes. Okay. <laughs> Adam's stumbling around in the middle there. Matt is obviously a fan. Are you a fan, Matt? Mm. Oh, <laughs> but you've watched it all. I, I did watch it all, but that's mainly out of morbid curiosity than out of any real joy that I gained from it. <laughs> Only you would watch something out of morbid curiosity. <laughs> <laughs> well, all the way so, through. Have you ever experienced any do... real joy? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. Um, no, it was largely to do with um, the break we had from the podcast, actually, because I think if... If we hadn't had such a long time off, I would have only watched one and then come on to it as a newbie. But, mm. I, you, you know, I, I I really like the Marvel Universe, and that's my, that's the large part of me watching it, is mm. just, like, wanting to be up to date with it all. Mm. But I, I, I can't lie, I'm tremendously disappointed by it. Okay. <clears throat> Jamie, how... Uh, how well, let, I tell you what, let's just do a little setup of this show. This is part of the Marvel Universe, and it's kind of... 
are coming, as far as I can work out, because I'm not an expert, it's the coming together of lots of different Marvel characters. So the start of this one, there's a sword fight somewhere far away from America in a sewer. Uh, it, my thoughts were, whose side am I on? Who are the defenders? The lead guy looks like Chris Pratt in the dark. Is this set in the East? No, a guy's just told them that their fight is in New York. And then, uh, hang on, there's January Jones, Jessica, what's it? What, what's she called? Uh, uh, Jessica... Uh, Jessica Jones. Jones. Jones uh, um, from <laughs> Kristen Ritter, are you looking for the name of the actress? That's right, and, and the blind one from Daredevil, which I've, lost, uh, I've watched a lot of, and he's in his lawsuit rather than his Power Ranger suit. So we're in the middle of the Marvel Universe. That's the setup. They're all going to have to come together. Sigourney Weaver is the bad person, and um, that's about as much as me... Uh, the stupid yeah. can figure out um, quite impressed in general as usual with Marvel stuff but also now also quite cold by Marvel Jamie um, do, do you I'm, I'm, do you feel compelled already to move on or or have we got as a Sam in his email got a job to persuade us to continue to Sam's got a massive job I was I disliked it immensely and I think well not immensely that's harsh I mean I went too far there I disliked it, but I also have... What the hell is Who going is? on? Somebody... Who's moving furniture? Are you with oh, your printer, Matt? I walked, down, I walked down some stairs, sorry. Goodness oh, me. He's going in the, he's going in the basement. He's in the dungeon again. Oh, Matt's doing God. a radio acting workshop for us now. Where he, he's not really got any stairs. He lives in a bungalow. I'm sorry, I've stopped moving. There we go. <laughs> and you sound miles away as well. So anyway, Jamie didn't like it. Adam. Well, I, well quickly, I just want to say that I've got superhero fatigue. So mm. I mm. I feel very much a bit sick of the whole superhero world, especially Marvel. I'm very sick of Marvel. Um, um, out of this, nearly all. I've watched Daredevil. But I gave up after season, like halfway through season two. I liked Jessica Jones. I didn't enjoy Luke Cage that much. And I've not even bothered with Iron Fist. So I'm not going into this in the right mindset. Having said that, it was still bad. Over to you, Adam. <laughs> You've watched six uh, episodes. There's six episodes of eight, yeah. Um, uh, and I kind of agree. It's, it's only by some sort of inertia that I got past number one. But, uh, you know, I enjoyed... Luke Cage. I know what you mean about superhero fatigue. I thought Luke Cage had something kind of interesting in it. It was novel. I enjoyed that um, that world that was created. It was quite stylish. I enjoyed Jessica Jones. I quite liked it. I had no interest in Daredevil or Iron Fist because of that, like, just that superhero fatigue. So I find myself watching this for the first episode or two, literally caring about half of the time. Because yeah. I'm quite interested in what's going. Like I, I'm interested enough to pick up the Jessica Jones story or the, or the Luke Cage story, and I, I don't really care about the other guys. Um, so it, it literally has my interest fifty percent of the time, and I imagine um, that's probably probably a thing for anyone who's not watched the, the precursors. You, you probably can so. watch it. Without having I haven't watched mean, them all, but it does affect your enjoyment. We've said this before about. Marvel stuff that I think if you're a real Marvel Universe fan then, then maybe you love it but you're bringing a lot of love to it when I was in Los Angeles on the, the day we left we went to Santa Monica Pier and on the beach there was the Black Pearl from Pirates of the Caribbean and next to our car was a policeman waving us around saying they're setting up to film the Pirates of the Caribbean tomorrow and we were like whoa and as far as I, I was surprised they were still filming them I was surprised they were filming it this early <laughs> And it reminded me of this argument about Marvel as well, which is 
once you've got the money and, and the ability and the special effects to make anything possible, there has to be uh, suddenly the bar is set so high and we can get fatigued in this golden age of what's possible in the CGI world. Um, same, I went to, went to watch Kingsman the other night and the fight scenes are phenomenal. Of course, they're phenomenal. But also, you, you've you seen it. You know that everything's possible. So what's the point? And I feel that way about Marvel where I go, okay, if I'd spent my life reading these comics and I was seeing this come to life, I'd be so excited by this. So perhaps it's just not for us. But at the same time, I'm sure that what Netflix want and what Marvel want is to be able to bring new new sheep to the fold and we we're not that's not working on us it's not it's not grabbing us and perhaps just like with pirates of the caribbean things have become so complicated that i found myself watching the defenders episode one going i know you're explaining this really well for me i know that what you're doing is really really clever but it's just too much i can't yeah. follow it <clears throat> It's too much. It's too much of everything. There's too much TV superheroes. There's too many film superheroes. On TV alone, you've got Supergirl, Gotham, Legion, Flash, uh, Legends of Tomorrow, Arrow, The Shield, Iron Fist, Jessica Jones, Agent Carter. There's just it's just too. Mm. There's too many now. I don't care anymore. I don't even know who I like out of these. I kind of want some of them to die because then at least it'll be interesting. Especially because culturally the interesting point for us um, was when it came to that, it was a question about vigilantism, wasn't it? Like what's the difference between Batman, who's a terrorist, who is taking the law into his own hand and killing people, and Batman, the um, Christ-like moral saviour who is fighting corruption. Um, And when they started to explore those things, which they certainly do in all of this stuff that we're talking about, um, once you've explored that, there's kind of nowhere else to explore with it. It's just stories. It's just telling the same stories, or it feels that way. It it comes back a little bit to the point that we've made about a few series about not knowing when to stop. You know, in any story, like, it was Big Little Lies we talked about, wasn't it, where how you were really annoyed by the very final shot. Yeah, Yeah, the sort of the the unnecessary addition to a cliffhanger. With this, in in the, the Marvel series that I have enjoyed... It's felt like at the end of them, it's tagged on a little bit of a, and these guys are going to cross and these worlds are going to meet. And it's trying to pull you in to invest in each of those stories. And then you think this Defenders thing is going to be somehow all these, the sum of all these parts, and it's going to be something extra. And it's not. It is somehow less than the sum of its parts. It is diluting four strong storylines to try and get them to fit together. And it's not like the budget's gone up or the talent has gone up or, or anything like that. It's I, I, If you're a total Marvel completist, I can probably see that it's probably interesting in getting these characters together, but there's there's definitely a point of fatigue. It makes where me feel just, stupid. Yeah. It makes me feel like I'm joining a book at book five, you know, a series mm. of books well, at book five. Well, I, I just... I, you I, are, I to a degree. Because uh, um, as a comic book fan... Mm. I think uh, they're doing a disservice to to both fans and non-fans ah. because, um, like, when they announced that they were going to do uh, Civil War in the um, Avengers series, mm-hmm. that was um, that was really exciting for a number of reasons. I mean, I'm a I'm a big fan of the Civil War series that they did, 
but also because that is a storyline that um, goes out of the normal stream of comic book thinking and takes it into a political place and um, kind of finds its way into a very real uh, set of circumstances where there's where you know the stuff that wouldn't normally get involved in a superhero um, story is involved like you know governmental oversight and and politics and uh, and also it takes in the entire swathe of the of the marvel universe so you have all kinds of different people put against each other and what i really hoped when they started that was that that was going to filter out into the tv series and would become this whole kind of media crossing um uh, you know world spanning event uh and the the whole idea of marvel as this kind of all-encompassing media giant just hasn't panned out for me because they tend to do the same thing over and over again Mm. which is um kind of get a team of people together uh place a, a common enemy in front of them make them sort of not like each other at first, but then realize that they have to work together and then eventually conquer their shit and get through it. And I don't know how many times I can watch that. Yeah. Do you remember Um, when that Marvel um, logo came up at the beginning of the films, when they first started coming out and you went, these, you knew you were in for something special. Mm -hmm. This was, yeah, my pants got something something fun at least. They were doing something so new. Definitely. There was a time where you're absolutely right. You had that thing. I I remember watching the first Avengers film and I I loved it. I really enjoyed it. And then I watched the second one. I just stopped caring. And I think that was the point (laughs) where I stopped caring. That was the point where Thor's like having an electric bath or something Mm. uh, weird. And I was like, what the hell is going on now? I don't even understand this anymore. And that was where I switched off for everything superhero related. And I've not been able to come back. And yeah, I'm I'm not switched off to superhero stuff. I still continue watching it and I still continue enjoying it. Mm. Some of it. Mm. But, the difference between what we have at the movie level where we have these really very good actors doing their stuff and um, a bit more scope in terms of what's available. I feel like I thought civil war was a good, a good movie actually. Mm. It, it did um, too much in too soon, in too short a time. And I don't, what I'm worried about is that they won't refer back to it at all. Yeah. Um, like that, the idea that everything's kind of hunky dory by the end of that film, and actually they're still pals, kind of thing. Like the rift between Captain America and Iron Man is so seismic in in the in the comics, the way they did it. It's really amazing. Like it's worth reading for anyone. Um, and this was the first kind of crossover thing that they'd really done, where it was like everyone's got their own shit. Um, and I, I know, know we had a Captain America film, an Iron Man film, and a Thor film, but um, it's. I, I don't know. This, this one feels like you know. There's a whole ten-hour thing devoted to this to this crossover, and not ten over ten hour, eight hours, whatever. How many episodes there were, and really, like they, they, I think they just squandered it completely. This should have been the very biggest of the TV series. It should have mm-hmm. been rivaling the the spectacle that we see on the on the films. And I don't know. Maybe you know. I'm not a network executive. I don't know if this show is capable of making the kind of money that a movie does but i just feel like they should have gone for it and it could have really had an impact on the genre and 
could have just could have pushed it forward, and I think grown grown an audience where there maybe wasn't one before. I don't know. This was a le- no, leviathan. I, I agree entirely. Yeah, yeah. the possibilities did, I mean, were like um, you know when Disney started making his films. Every step of the way, they wanted to do something new. They he knew that they had to do something new and revolutionary with animation or film in order to remain the biggest fish in the pond. So it would always develop to. Uh, you know, mix. You know, doing the first feature-length animation, or mixing film and animation, or whatever. Marvel had that ability when they came along to go. They they made such an impact that they could be reinventing the genre or or how they tell the stories. Um, and they're not. They've stopped at this super. The it feels like the jug is full to the brim, and that jug is staying the same. And then something like, you know, and I know we've discussed DC, Matt, and you probably disagree with me on this. DC is pretty clunky and Batman, Superman and stuff, what the hell? But with um, Wonder Woman, the the reason I really liked the Wonder Woman film is because it was a simple war film that went, this person has to get from point A to point B and some stuff will happen in the middle. It feels with Marvel that I have to swallow or catch up on or understand, intellectualize 15 different backstories that go back 30 years in order to start to appreciate it or enjoy it. And but that should make it stronger. That should uh, be its should. strength. It should, it should be the, the, yeah. the history of the franchise should be its strength. And I tell you that, that there are two things which tell you exactly where this has gone wrong. Uh, one of them is a smaller thing, and that is that Daredevil is always on the ground. Like right. da- Daredevil's whole thing, like he's supposed to be almost like as agile and uh, nimble around the city as Spider-Man is. You know, he swings around with this rope on his cane and stuff, mm. and they've got none of that. Like even the shit-ass Ben Affleck film that they had mm. um, <clears throat> had loads of that in it, and that was absolutely dreadful. Mm. But it still had that aspect to it. This has none of that. So it's just that that's a... Um, shows the level of ambition that they have for this and the second thing is that they've chosen the hand as the antagonist and it's them falling into this trap of having an endless stream of enemies who are entirely without a face name or any stakes the 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 series Mm. has prospered at its most when they've had um personalized antagonists like the first series of daredevil was really good with the kingpin uh that that whole building up of that hatred between the two of them and i don't know what they've done with um uh what's his name is it vincent d'onofrio i can't remember the name of the actor but because he was he was brilliant he was much he 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 was much better than um uh, charlie what's his name yeah, and, and the same can be said for Jessica Jones. I thought David Tennant. Exactly, Tenet yeah. David Tennant. I really missed David Tennant. It made me realise. Yeah, yeah. yeah that actually That's he, what he I mean. Those pop, two series really had yeah. something. And also mm. they have this tendency to just to, to um, feel the need to kill people off when it's like like they, they got rid of Ben Urich, the journalist, in the, um, in the first series of Netflix. Sorry, in the first series of Daredevil. The first series of Netflix, yeah. Um, and he's supposed to be a big kind of pivotal character in in a lot of Marvel stuff. Like he he's a really interesting guy because he's a kind of he's a journalist who knows who some of the superheroes are and things like that. So he's got a really interesting part to play. And they've um, they, they've just got rid of him. They've just cast him aside. And it seems like they've done the same thing with the Kingpin. And they yeah, it's just like they feel like they need to just throw in a death. Have they? 
and the it's been like a Sony as well. He was the most interesting thing in this series. God, yeah, it, it feels Sorry, like they've been... massive spoilers. Oh my god! Uh-oh. Uh, yeah. uh, after editing that out, uh, I'll get a question. Did, like, have they, have they bottled it? So it's fine. Have they? Okay. Have they bottled um, it? Have they bottled it? It's like I was saying, you know, it's somehow less than some of it parts. It felt like it was going to build up to something spectacular and they've just not dialed anything up. So have they seen how it was going and decided this was the wrong thing to go, but they just had to contractually fulfil eight hours worth of screen time just with a few fights and Uh, and that's it? I I have a great fear, which is um, this. Disney bought Marvel, yeah? Oh, by the way, I meant to point out for any um, any listeners uh, who are playing box set bingo, Howl making it about Disney. That ticked off about 10 minutes ago. <laughs> yeah. So Disney bought Marvel, right? Disney also okay. recently uh, fired Steve Whitmire, whose autograph is on my wall, uh, Kermit the Frog. Uh, there's only two people who've ever played Kermit the Frog, Jim Henson and Steve Whitmire, and they got rid of Steve. Um, Star Wars, I think, as if you look at the Star Wars franchise, which they've also bought has a great deal of, it feels to me like, for example, with Rogue One, they had the chance of doing something properly rogue, and really they just made another Star Wars film. I wonder with these, with the big conglomerates, there is an element of um, risk aversion, which is stopping them being the inventive thing that originally they were buying well, into. <clears throat> yeah, it's possible. I mean, with the Han Solo film, they've, they've fired the, the two guys who were taking that on and brought Ron Howard in. There you go. And then with the new Star Wars, uh, the, the next Star Wars, the final episode, they got rid of Colin Trevorrow, who was directing it, and they brought back in J.J. Abrams. So I think there is definitely... It's really I scary real, because, yeah. the, um, the, you know, the reason, the thing that saved Disney was buying Pixar because they were doing the original stuff. And they, Pixar managed to stay on top, but it almost feels like there's this corner they're turning where it, it's heading towards safe choices instead of risk-taking. And if what Matt says is true, that... It's not that you have to be a comic book fan, it's that they have to take the risks that the comic books take and be as bold as the comic books, then that would certainly make sense and makes me want to sell my shares in Disney. (laughs) (laughs) The comparison between sort of film and TV is interesting as well because it feels like all the sort of big film, superhero films, certainly that I've seen recently, like some of that DC stuff as well, has been really about all the dark side of superheroes and they've been really dull. And somehow for this one, they've not had the courage to make this a really fun series it just feels yes. like it feels like watching <laughs> shield or something like that i, yeah, I think the oh only reason God, yeah. that i've managed to watch films is watch views because we've not been particularly engaged with it but it's just on netflix so it's very easy just to watch the next one there's no way if this was like a shield where i'd seen it on tv i'd bother tuning in the next week mm. well it's like it's like you know the first episode of De- uh, defenders you're kind of thinking, oh, when are they going to get together? And then you realise they're not going to get together in the first episode. And then you yeah. realise, I actually don't care about these people, <laughs> these characters interacting together. I, I don't actually care. I don't even care what it's going to be like. I, mm-hmm. And like you said before, Matt, it is, it's more about the bad guys because they've made them so dull and so uh, vanilla, these, these protagonists, that you just don't really even give a shit about them interacting with each other. Mm. Mm. Yeah. So is they, they seem to have pulled the bad guys out of one out of the Iron Fist thing, though. Is is that entirely? I didn't watch Iron Fist, no, but it Daredevil just feels like has Daredevil's with the hand. It, oh, oh yes, of course. Yeah, he cross. Yeah, yeah. Is anybody okay, ready yeah. now then to hear Sam's um, compendious academic and positive take on? I would be genuinely I interested. Make, 
what I am. Can I make one more point about something that really annoyed me make that I noticed in episode one particularly? Um, I really enjoyed Luke Cage. As a, it's probably my, my favourite of, of one of my favourite sort of superhero type knockabout series. And when we talked about it on a pod, I remember um, I think it was Tiernan who was really enthusiastic about the use of music in it all the way through. Mm. He talked about the use of Wu-Tang in the fight scene and stuff like that. And I think I thought the use of music to create that world was really, it was fun. Whereas in this, it just feels really reductive to have every time a main black character comes on to have a funk soundtrack accompanying his every movement right. when yeah, it's really in contrast to everything else. It yeah. just felt like it, it was indicative of the fact that they weren't doing an overall show. They were just doing four separate mini storylines from different characters that weren't working stylistically together particularly at all yeah fair enough despite that that he was the one i most wanted to wander off into his world <laughs> of all of them i was like well man, yeah, watch yeah. he's probably the most he's probably the best performance and the most interesting character definitely so we've we've pretty much poured a bucket of shit on the defenders let's give sam a chance as john lennon once sang here we go this is my take on The Defenders. Firstly, I will freely admit that I'm something of a Marvel apologist. <laughs> Good start, Sam. <laughs> Certainly when it comes to almost all of the MCU, Marvel Cinematic Universe, in brackets, TV shows, I'm very much, I very much enjoyed both seasons of Daredevil, Jessica Jones and Luke Cage. The less said about I Am First, the better. The thing is, if, like me, you're already on board with the MCU, then you'll watch The Defenders. I should be trying to persuade people who aren't. So here are my top three reasons. Number three. Oh, I like it. He's doing it in chart form. I love that. I love that. Good. You really don't need... At number three, you really don't need to have watched the individual series. Again, I uh, leave Iron Sister one side because his story's terrible, but each of the other characters is developing in a new story arc from this first episode. Charlie Cox, i.e. Mark Murdoch from Daredevil, is evidently struggling to deal with life on his own, separate from both his superhero identity and from his former business partner, Kristen Ritter. Jessica Jones doesn't know how to deal with... Sorry, business partner. Kristen Ritter, Jessica Jones, doesn't know how to deal with her categorization as an, inverted commas, hero. Mike Coulter, Luke Cage, is coming to terms with life outside jail. Each of these stories is genuinely gripping exploration of having to adjust to a change of some sort. And this is only the first episode. He's so excited and I feel so bad for everything we've said. Uh, <laughs> at number two, the way it's filmed. In fact, let's just a quick moment on number three there. The way he writes, it just, I agree with that. There were, I did watch episode one and I did go, okay, yes, these are interesting premises. The three of them, I can see that they're interesting premises, but I almost, Sam, <clears throat> just felt like I was eating too much of a buffet. That was it. The old uh, acid <laughs> reflux kicking in just thinking about the last time I ate too much of a buffet. Um, oh. and, and Iron Fist is one of those shrimp-based ones that's been left under a light. Yeah. And you know you shouldn't touch it. But it's going to give you the squits. You're go for it anyway. But you have it anyway and you yeah. immediately regret Regretting. tasting that. And yeah. number two, the way it's filmed is beautiful. Each of the protagonists has his or own, her own colour palette. And the scenes involving those characters are themed accordingly. In later episodes, you'll see the different colour schemes meet, combine and develop, along with their associated characters. That's fascinating. Equally, the cameras perform particular moves in the transitions between scenes. When you move between the different characters, even though in this first episode at least their paths never cross, you get the sense that something is drawing them together, that their cause is being unified in some way, simply through the way in which the characters are portrayed. That is called the mise-en-scene, and another very interesting point. 
those are my words, by the way, mise-en-scene. Is that, is that you trying to use mise-en-scene? Yeah, I've okay. just added that. Mm. Um, mm. Again, yeah, I love all this. You know, uh, if I could just have Sam pausing it every five seconds explaining uh, the brilliant uh, effort that's gone into these things. But that's the problem. I feel like, you know, when you see those birds on a David Attenborough show that, like, spend a week preparing to impress a ladybird... And suddenly the ladybird turns up. He doesn't really give a shit. <laughs> puffs out all his feathers and starts dancing for half an hour, going nuts. <laughs> That's what I feel like with Marvin. I just feel like that ladybird. I go, could I have it or shall I? I'll probably just go for a drink in the pond. Um, at number one, finally, this is the best portrayal of a villain I have seen in ages. It's not just oh, for crying out loud. <laughs> It's not just that Sigourney Weaver... <laughs> Sorry, Sam. It's not just that Sigourney Weaver is brilliant, though she is. It's that the audience is made to really sympathise with someone who is at a terrible stage in life. The scenes with the Doctor were horribly moving before we realise or remember, if we've seen the trailer, that she's actually quite a terrible person. I found this paragraph... Actually, you know what? He's, he's right about that. Sigourney Weaver is the best thing in this series. I found the Doctor scene moving in the sense of like, oh, I wouldn't like to be in that situation. But at the same time, I found myself going, why do I care about this person again? Why do I? And I oh, yeah, I don't, because she's just been introduced to me if I'm new to it. And so my empathy goes a certain distance. But as well, I just think, oh, I, I don't really want to be in this Doctor's office. Maybe I should be instead in the Gilmore Girls land. <laughs> I found this paradox of morality an interesting one. It is why Breaking Bad was so popular, perhaps. The combination of illness and depravity is an intriguing one. I do agree with that. Uh, I did find that intriguing mm. when she then sat in the park feeding the pigeons and stuff. Um, but that's one of the two things I really remember about watching the first episode. Crikey. That's a, who's got a 1992 oh, Nokia? That, that, was, <laughs> that was mine. Maybe that's why my Skype sounded bad earlier. Mm. Yeah, apologies. Maybe. So... Um, so listen, that's all. Sam has has Sam moved you, Jamie, towards uh... the, the only thing Sam's made me realise is I'm really glad he's not here today because <laughs> this could have got, got brutal. <laughs> oh, poor you know, Sam. he's got he's, he's got such a lovely passion for it that I would hate the idea that we might have destroyed it a bit well, not just if that. he'd been here. Imagine, you know, this podcast is never going to be a huge podcast, and I'll tell you for why. Because we pick subjects, if you love them, we're on them for a week. If you, and if, and if we, sorry, if we love them, it lasts for a week. If we hate them, you'll hate us forever. If you've clicked on this <laughs> podcast because you love the Defenders, you're probably never going to trust our advice on anything again. I'd love to hear what you loved about it, although not in as much detail as Sam gave. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, Sam. Um, I would say it's not, I mean, it's, for all we've been kicking it, it's not a terrible show, but hearing Sam's points make me wish he was right. You know, yeah, it, yeah. from the point of view that if you're not uh, an, an MCU person, however much he says he's trying to be dispassionate and, and put that aside, he, you know, those storylines aren't that compelling early on. Mm. You know, it's not that great looking. It, it looks like four different shows that aren't really cooperating and it doesn't get that much better, I don't think. And, we, we, and yes, Sigour Sigourney Weaver is, is good. I'll okay. see you later. Oh, Matt's got to go. Good night, right, Matt. Good luck. Child um, awake. The um, yeah, 
like Sigourney Weaver's performance is good. She's she's great, but uh, I don't really feel the stakes, and, and I, I won't spoil it. But the point he's referring to then seems to be forgotten altogether because of other character other characteristics she has. Mm. You know, I, I don't think she's as magnetic a villain, or or the group of villains she associates with are not nearly as interesting as David Tennant was in Jessica Jones or um, Ma- Mahershali Ali. Is it in Luke Cage? Mm can never quite pronounce his thing. But again, that's a really great magnetic performance about a bad guy doing good stuff or is he a good guy doing terrible stuff and he's a real uh, tangible sort of threat to the to the, the hero of a show and the kind of the, you know, the, the neighbourhood that they inhabit. And this just doesn't feel, this just feels like, yeah, superhero, supervillain by number stuff, like, you know, anonymous and, and, and there's just not enough there for someone as good as Scully Weaver to get a, a teeth into really, I don't think. Hmm. So yeah, I, I wish Sam was right, um, but I think that's probably the difference between a, a someone who's really into the Marvel universe and someone who sort of um, drops in and out like I do. Look, this podcast is. Uh, when I was in Los Angeles, I went on the Warner Brothers studio tour, and you'll have been not all Disney, yeah. You would love it. You mixed it up. Mixed it up. I was I was on all the sound stages, you know, going amongst the studios there where things like Casablanca was filmed. I was on the Ellen set. That was exciting enough. Um, the town square where the Gilmore Girls is, is filmed is used in lots and lots of things, including Friends and West Wing and all sorts. Um, and I was, but it's used a lot in Gilmore Girls and it is like a traditional town square and it's just there. And we walked around that town square and I was so bloody excited and i still cannot persuade sarah to sit and watch more than half an hour of it and i was i'm i'd still go back to this podcast is built on the idea that on episode one we all think we know what's going on and we're slamming this series based on other marvel stuff but you know matt watched the whole series adam's watched six sam's watched the whole thing and i i do think that it's um such an echo chamber of marvel fans now that it's so difficult to um, cling on to uh, same with Pirates of the Caribbean just there's just so many plots in these things now that nobody but Shakespeare wouldn't have written a plot that was that complicated mm-hmm. um, uh, yeah. is, 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 is it a question that people have stopped trying to make genuinely crossover stuff for, for wide audiences you know you know there's a, a certain audience when they lap up whatever with a certain badge on it yeah. so they stop they just, you know, we go down the, the route of fan service or yeah, or self indulgence because you d- you don't need because with with the way that people consume stuff nowadays, uh, you you're going to have a set audience for something. But also, why so, not? You know, um, if it, it, maybe it is just for Marvel fans and it'll find a huge audience. Nothing wrong with that. Make some stuff that's for new audiences. Make some stuff that's for them. The Walking Dead. I've just started rewatching that with Sarah. And the first couple of series, you know, the plots are so simple, it's great. And the later series at the moment, there's so much backstory, there's so much flashback, there's so much diversionary stuff um, that you just think complexity has become this weird rabbit hole that they've uh, wandered down and we need, a, we need to press the reset button, perhaps. Which, I, go on, I blame um, Christopher Nolan for all of this yeah um, yeah i was re-watching uh, <laughs> i was watching yeah, i loved the batmans and, and yeah mm-hmm. i was re-watching um the dark knight and it's not as good as it felt at the time so you, you know, realize that what it. me and jonathan <laughs> ross said for years was correct 
It might have been close to the the truth than than I realised. That's all I'm saying. And I do feel like what Christopher Nolan did, he he gave uh, these characters a a reality, Mm. gave them a basing in the real world, and but he also has kind of opened the door to this. How would real superheroes live in? And and now we get that all the time now, and now it feels very dull. Yeah, give me give me George Clooney in a cat suit. Let's go back to that now. <laughs> Let me ask you this. So, sometimes cinema is great, though, isn't it? When you have that hot take on it, that's kind yes. of what's unique about cinema. You don't, you can kill it by analysing it and going back to it and and really sort of, um, you know, taking it apart. It's what you enjoy in those two hours in the in the cinema room, isn't it? And as with all good punk and rock and roll, you destruct the thing that came before and you reconstruct it. Which brings me on to this question: Have you both seen American Vandal? I have indeed, <laughs> and yeah. we should do it next week. Next week is American uh, Vandal, and I guarantee so it is going to be a very different <laughs> box set. Um, watch it, watch episode one and join us next week if you like, or don't watch it and just join us next week, but it's going to be great. Thank you both. Yeah. Thank you. Oh, yeah. God, it does feel bad to pull scorn on stuff like that, but it's... Um, can you imagine being the director of photography for the Defenders, coming up with all those different lighting schemes and everything? Yeah, like, the yeah. level of work that goes into that stuff, and then... Shit, what, what do I know? Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus. Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mm. Yeah. Anyway, there we go.